0: The optimistic view is that just because we solved that narrow problem doesn't mean we solved all the, the different things you'd want to do for interoperability.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to HIMSScast. My name is Mike Milliard. I'm executive editor of Healthcare IT News, a Hymns publication. And I am here today with Craig Bem, who is the president and CEO of CRISP and CRISP Shared Services. We're going to talk a bit about TEFCA, interoperability, HIEs, and, you know, larger data sharing efforts across the United States. Welcome, Craig. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you, Mike. Really happy to be here. So for those who may not know, could you maybe just start a bit by saying a bit about CRISP and CRISP Charge Services? You know, who are you, what do you do, and, and who do you serve? Sure. Yeah, so
0: CRISP, uh, really the Chesapeake Regional Information System for our patients, Uh, is the HIE in Maryland. We were designated about 15 years ago, and in that time, expanded different use cases and really extended the breadth of the HIE locally. Um, In doing that, we realized that much of the infrastructure is very reusable and scalable across different places. And um, while at the same time, the stakeholder support, prioritization, funding, uh, customer engagement is probably not quite as scalable. And so we established Crisp Shared Services to allow for the reusability of the technology uh, with partner, nonprofit, locally run HIEs in different places. So now, uh, while we also have CRISP and still in place, we have CRISP Shared Services, which is more or less a a technology partner to the West Virginia Health Information Network, CRISP DC, uh, Virginia Health Information, Connie in Connecticut, and Healthy Connect in Alaska. Uh, which is part of the reason we just say Crisp now, not Chesapeake Regional, because it gets a little absurd when you start thinking Alaska,
1: from Connecticut to DC to Alaska. That's uh, that's quite a span of geographies and and different um, infrastructure and and in provider types. Correct?
0: It is. It's um, you know, it's been a really healthy mix of diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, each state has different personality and different pri- priorities and funding and sustainability strategies. Um, there's also a lot of similarity, you know, of uh, physicians doing their best to treat their patients. Uh, value-based purchasing and and payment models kind of have different look and feel, but ultimately have very similar goals and very similar data sharing requirements. Um, we do give West Virginia a hard time because they were the the rural and very different state we started working with, and then Alaska came along and is much more rural and much more different. Um, but I think the the differences are really helping us you know, be strategically thoughtful and innovate across a number of different dimensions.
1: So you guys obviously have deep experience there at CRISP, you know, more than a decade, it's more than 15 years, you said, um, you know, so you guys working with eHealth Exchange this past summer applied to be a qualified health information network as part of the uh, Trust Exchange Framework and Common Agreement, you know, TEFCA, you know, project from ONC uh why did you do that and, and what was what were your goals and, and where does the process stand right now
0: yeah so we had a number of different reasons um i, I think first it's important to note that philosophically uh, we don't believe that any hies should exist just for the sake of existing yep. and so if there are better cheaper faster you know commoditized ways for data to flow like that's wonderful we don't need to add extra hops or costs into this model um, so we've always been kind of very, very supportive of initiatives that allow for better point-to-point, thoughtful, efficient data sharing. Um, through that context, I think Tefka is a very helpful framework, both to establish trust uh, as it's supposed to in the name, um, but also to build some order and transparency to how data will flow across different networks nationally. Um, I also don't think it's gonna solve all the problems. And so the way we decided to engage was to say, Look, many of our participating entities, primarily hospitals, quite frankly, um, are going to figure out different QHINs to partner with, maybe because it's an EHR vendor alignment, uh, maybe because there's a really regional alignment, or maybe because there are certain specialties of QHINs that fit better. Um, and we didn't want the HIE to be competing with those decisions. Uh, that, that just didn't make sense to us. Um, yeah. At the same time, not everyone is going to naturally flock towards a in i i'm i've not done a formal poll but i can't imagine the average provider or care manager or hospital administrator has any idea what any of this means uh, so yeah. we, we do want to create like an easy pathway for groups who may not have decided or who may just kind of want to satisfy the goal um and and then ehealth exchange uh we've been longtime partners uh they're nonprofit. they're very uh philosophically similar to us and um and so we're excited that both we can support kind of the policy build out and the model nationally uh, while hopefully trying to innovate either locally in ways that don't quite fit the model yet uh, or specifically in, in helping uh, e-health exchange, QHINs and ultimately the, the coordinating entity kind of build out new use cases that um, you know will eventually translate to national frameworks.
1: I have been writing about this stuff for a long time and I, you know, know that it's been a long, hard slog, you know, solving some of these interoperability challenges. I recall an article back in like 2013 saying, you know, interoperability is taking so darn long, you know, (laughs) and that was 10 years ago. Mm Do you think we're at a tipping point now philosophically and from an infrastructure and a kind of an organizational standpoint that with TEFCA, with, you know, all the HIEs that are still in existence, you know, that... And in the groups like Commonwealth, Care Quality and all that, you know, kind of, do you see kind of this all cohering into some sort of, you know, organic quilt that's going to kind of cover, you know, the nation, you know, do you think we're where we need to be right now?
0: Yeah, I think we're, we're getting close to where we need to be. Uh, It depends a lot what we mean by interoperability. Um, And so, you know, for example, TEFCA, all the organizations you mentioned, really most EHRs can solve the very basic give me a clinical document for an encounter that Mike or Craig just had. Uh, and that's great. Um, and that satisfies a lot of information for clinical decision making and for kind of point of care treatment. Um, I think what maybe the the optimistic view is that just because we solve that narrow problem doesn't mean we solve all the, the different things you'd want to do for interoperability. And so, for example, if that clinician gets that document because we just had that visit. They also might get four other documents. They might be 30 pages long and it might not be very helpful. Um, And so there's a lot of machine learning and natural language models and things that might be dealing with those documents, um, which is good. We'll get there. Um, But then you have the problem of what if I want to track these outcomes over time? Or what if clinically derived information isn't a good enough perspective. I also need public health information or vital statistics or all sorts of different things. And um, and I think that's where an HIE or uh, you might have heard us talk about health data utilities, which I think is kind of the next iteration of health information exchange in some ways um, can really plug the gaps because we know that there are certain sensitive uh, data that some jurisdictions might not want to share. And I think it's going to require local governance, stakeholder engagement, and technical support to consider what is sensitive data and to stop the flow appropriately. Um, or there might be certain data use uh, agreements and requirements that you know a, a public health agency will will sign into, and that a local governing body needs to figure out and get the data flowing only as appropriate. Um, and so we'll like I said, we'll get there, I think, through more national models. Um, but I think there's there's really a lot of value in a local group tackling local problems within this broader framework and perspective of national interoperability.
1: What sort of work has gone in uh working with ONC and, and Sequoia Project as as you guys um c- continue with the with the q uh process? Yeah, so
0: um so we're not directly applying as the QHIN. That's up to eHealth Exchange. Um, so mostly, kind of where I see our role, uh, which is probably not entirely fair to all the people working really hard on QHINS and national policy, is to tell them what's actually happening in the real world. And so when we look at a new implementation guide, or we look at some of the query metrics, or you know, they ask us, you know, what are we doing for patient consent, or how are we handling uh, certain document types? Um, We can say this is how it's working or this is how it isn't working um, or this is the scale we think is appropriate or not appropriate. And um, and that's where then again, having like reusable technology over now six jurisdictions is really helpful because something might work really well in the district of Columbia, which is looking primarily at a Medicaid population and kind of Medicaid driven use cases. That's very different from you know, West Virginia, which is really very provider heavy and working very closely with their hospital systems and some of their private payers. Um, So, so if nothing else, we're kind of bringing in a dose of reality um, and trying to be very
1: polite and helpful when we do. I like it. So you've talked about the need for, for stakeholders to get more involved. You mentioned, you know, I think, you know, the average provider might not even realize some of this hard work is, is going on. What are some of the important, um, you know, outreach potentially that needs to happen to to kind of really capitalize on the potential of this stuff?
0: Yeah, so there are probably a lot of ways to address the outreach.
1: Um, I think it's really great
0: that EHR vendors and obviously the ONC with their certification processes um, are looking at interoperability as a core function. Um, You know, none of this stuff is useful if it's hard to do. Uh, clinicians are already stressed, they're already busy, they need more efficient workflows. And um, and so at a minimum, if we can make it simpler to get more data in more thoughtful ways, that's great. And um, and I see that happening a lot at the EHR level and then hopefully in, in concert with a high functioning health information exchange. At the kind of broader level, um, I think we need to talk more as an industry about the return on investment that we should see through these mechanisms. Um, There's a lot of, of, for example, interesting and and innovative things you can do in a value-based payment model if you understand population health and disparities across populations or where there may be access issues or gaps in care. Um, And that information comes through, you know, this combination of local connectivity and then hopefully national frameworks. Um, And then a group we don't talk about enough uh, is obviously the patients and That's the hardest of them all, right? Like as much as as the average clinician might not know about any of this, the average patient is thinking about everything else in the world besides hopefully healthcare and then healthcare IT. Um, And so I I would really like to see us as an industry get very tight around uh, honoring, first understanding, but then honoring patient preferences, um, understanding data provenance and controlling the flow of data based on appropriateness and thoughtful use cases. Uh, which is gonna be tough
1: yeah i uh i literally was just speaking to somebody from uh who's who working with the cdc on, on some of their data modernization efforts um you know it's hard work but it's necessary work as we've seen through the pandemic it's uh you know this data needs to be there and it needs to be actionable and, and where you find it and so it's important work yep that's exactly
0: right and i, and I think it's i really appreciate you bringing up you know, the cdc and data modernization Because I think information exchange is a core part of modernization. Um, As much as we think the healthcare system has been siloed, public health has been siloed from healthcare, and then public health is siloed within public health. And so if we can use a lot of things we've learned over the past 15 years about, you know, master person matching and secure interfaces and standards and kind of, you know, Understanding how registries might work across different, you know, fire-based standards and different things, um, I think we can help public health move much farther, faster than the rest of us have been moving.
1: Yeah, and we've all heard Mickey Tripathi talking about how that's a major, you know, goal behind TEPCA is 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 kind of pushing this down the road and and you know, bring it all on board and, and getting it all. Yeah, and we
0: really do. I mean, I appreciate you know what Mickey's been doing with his colleagues at the CDC because I know they're trying very hard to align these initiatives. And, and, you know, we see the results of that, even if right now it's mostly in kind of the strategic 30,000 foot level.
1: Yep. Um, so what's next? As you look towards the rest of the summer and into the fall, you know, what are some of your goals and, you know, anything big that I haven't asked you that you think is important to know before, before I let you go?
0: Yeah, you know, we're always looking to make sure our data is more useful. You know, there's no reason for an HIE to get data for the sake of getting data. Um, and so we're looking at, you know, making sure that our in-context application can launch in most EHRs natively with no clicks. Uh, we're looking to make sure that um, we can do clinical decision support and kind of pop-ups as appropriate. Uh, we have some really cool use cases where, you know, for example, if a patient had a non-fatal overdose and then are prescribed a controlled dangerous substance, an alert can pop up in some EHRs to just tell the clinician like, hey, are you sure you want to do this? You might want to check this record first. Uh, so I think there's just a ton of opportunity there. Again, not to create more alerts and alert fatigue, but to to be thoughtful about what data is important in what workflow. Um, and then, you know, local HIEs and now health data utilities, I think have an obligation to find new sources of data that are appropriate and can be linked and brought into this ecosystem. Because there's a lot of things ranging from housing to transportation to, you know, the environments in which we live that are impacting health much more probably than many of our healthcare encounters do. Um, and so we're looking really hard at, at some innovation across, you know, some non-traditional healthcare spaces.
1: Well, we will be watching and we will be reporting on it as, uh, as you continue this work. Thank you, Craig. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. No, thank you, Mike. This is great. And thanks of course, to everyone for listening to HIMSCAST. Uh, we encourage you to rate and review us. And if you like what you hear, Please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Thanks again, Greg. And uh, it's great to talk to you and uh, have a great day. Thanks.